0: Welcome to the Emerging Minds podcast. You're with Sophie Guy, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Sonia Terhag from the Australian Institute of Family Studies, or AFES. Sonia has worked in research for 10 years across Canada and Australia. Her research focus is on mental health, in particular, following potentially traumatic experiences such as injury, human made and natural disasters, and occupational exposure. In her current role at AIFS, her work across various national longitudinal research studies, including Building a New Life in Australia, the Longitudinal Study of Humanitarian Migrants, Ten to Men, the Australian Longitudinal Study on Male Health, and Growing Up in Australia, the Longitudinal Study of Australian Children. In today's episode, we discuss findings from the Building a New Life in Australia study on the well-being of refugee children and the impact of pre- and post-migration experiences. Well, thank you very much, Sonia, for joining me today to have a conversation about this longitudinal study that you've been working on. I wonder if you could start uh, by just telling me a little bit about yourself and how you came to be working on the Building a New Life in Australia study. So
1: thank you very much for having me. It's really great to be here. Um, I started working on the Building a New Life in Australia study in a previous role I had at the University of Melbourne. I am a mental health researcher, so I did my PhD in that area as well, and recently started um, working here in the Longitudinal Life Course Studies team for research and analysis. So the BNLA study, as we usually refer to it, is one of the studies that I work on.
0: And could you tell us about the Building a New Life in Australia study? I'll start calling it the BNLA study as well. Could you tell us about that? Yep.
1: The BNLA study is currently the largest of its kind in Australia in that it's a longitudinal study of humanitarian migrants here in Australia. It was conducted by the Australian Institute of Family Studies with funding from the Department of Social Services and the Department of Immigration. So it's a study of humanitarian migrants that arrived in Australia from 2013. Humanitarian migrants might be helpful to just clarify that are migrants who come to Australia either as refugees under special protection, or who are already in Australia and then apply for humanitarian migrant visa. So the majority were offshore when they applied Mm -hmm. for these visas, um, but about a tenth of them were already in Australia when they applied. The study encompasses around 2,400 respondents in total, Mm -hmm. of which there were around um, 1,500 primary applicants and then their family members. So spouses, other family members, older children, Mm -hmm. and almost 700 younger children who were assessed at um, the third wave of data collection. So in total, there's five waves of data collection, which means that they were assessed once a year for five years after the first time they completed a survey, but the child data was only collected at wave three. So most of the families had been here for two to three years by the time the children actually completed any questionnaires and required parental consent to participate. Most of them were from, they came from Iraq and Afghanistan, but they also had other migration experiences in countries of origin, so in total, The study actually had migrants from 35 countries and spoke over 50 languages. So a very diverse group. The children were all accompanied. So I think that's important to keep in mind when talking about the BNLA study. And what we found is that all of the children had at least one family member with them when they came to Australia.
0: Mm -hmm. So what can the BNLA study tell us about the social and emotional well-being of children who come here through the humanitarian program?
1: Well there's actually I think quite a bit that it can tell us especially because there's not that much research that has been done with refugee children. It's increasing um, Mm -hmm. lately but the BNLA study is quite unique both in the Australian context but also generally around the globe in that assessed a lot of different domains in the children's lives and in the family's lives. So the questions include bits about their pre-migration experiences, so where they were before they came to Australia, what kind of experiences they had before coming here, their country of origin, what their family unit looks like, so if they're living with their mother and father or just one parent, if they had siblings, other family members that might be included, Um, then their migration experience itself. So how they came to Australia, how long they spent in different places, what countries they were in before coming here, how many countries Mm -hmm. if they had any traumatic experiences pre-migration or during their migration. And then also a lot of questions post-migration. So how are they adjusting? Do they have any emotional symptoms? Do they have any physical health problems? How are they adjusting at school with their peers, their communities? So it's quite comprehensive in that sense. Mm -hmm. So in terms of what the study can tell us about the social and emotional well-being of humanitarian migrant children in Australia. um, Particularly
0: under 12 years if you know about that group.
1: The sample of children in that age range in the BNLA study was relatively small Mm -hmm. but what the research so far has found in terms of their adjustment and their well-being it's found that compared to their Australian counterparts they're actually generally well adjusted Mm -hmm. now there are obviously some differences um, by age and by gender but Generally on a whole, they were very comparable and some instances actually better adjusted Mm. than their Australian counterparts. So in domains of pro-sociality, for example, so being helpful and kind to others and those kinds of things, they actually scored
0: higher. When you say it was a small group, do you know the number of children?
1: The way it was broken down for the analyses was five to 10, and then 11 to 13, so it won't Mm -hmm. match up exactly. Sure. Uh, But the numbers were around 200, 250 who were in that age
0: range. Um, Sort of 5 to 13 age range? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm interested to explore a couple of different things. It sounds like the study was pretty comprehensive in the information it gathered about experiences before coming to Australia, and you talked about trauma and things like that. How was... Trauma defined, what sorts of things were measured uh, on those variables?
1: So it did differ by the parents and by the children. So in terms of defining trauma, um, this can be a bit broad, but it's an adverse experience, basically, that mm-hmm. has a lasting impact on a per- or can have a lasting impact on a person's well-being, mm-hmm. usually where that individual's life or well-being is at risk or is being threatened. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the experiences of the sample in BNLA, the parents reported on this in more detail. Okay. Most of the parents had experienced at least one traumatic event, and about a third had experienced three or more traumatic experiences. Mm both prior to their migration and during migration. It wasn't differentiated in the way the questions were asked, but this included witnessing family members being hurt or killed, violence, war and conflict, which was actually the most common traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, A small subset had experienced torture. Mm -hmm. Um, For the children, it was a little bit different. The children were just asked, whether they had experienced something traumatic but mm-hmm. no specifics about what that was and if they had experienced anything where they felt their life was at threat or they mm-hmm. felt um, like there was threat of injury. And parents and children um, reported on that but not about specifics of what that entailed.
0: And what proportion of children said that they'd experienced a traumatic event?
1: So it was very comparable the parent and the child report of this about like just over 20 percent so 22 percent of children said that they had been exposed to something traumatic Mm -hmm. Um, although again it wasn't clear when that was Mm -hmm. Um, and 19 percent had reported that at any point in time their safety or life had been threatened with the child self-report it's important to keep in mind that this primarily pertains to the older children because the younger children actually weren't asked those questions so that 11 to 17 year olds were asked about their traumatic experiences sure. what has been aves- investigated a bit more using the BNLA data is the experiences of parents and how that impacts the children's mental health so that includes mm-hmm. the parents' mental health and well-being the parents' traumatic experiences and how that impacts their parenting behavior and the family family unit as a whole so there have been a few papers published using the bnla child data in particular that have looked at this okay and for example some of the researchers found that parents with ptsd
0: mm-hmm.
1: were more likely to use hostile parenting styles which then affected the children's mental health, but also the parents' mental health had a direct impact on the child's mental health. So if parents had PTSD symptoms, Mm -hmm. the children's mental health and well-being was also lower. Mm -hmm. Um, Parents who've experienced um, torture, their children are at greater risk of, having mental health issues, Mm -hmm. and if the parents were experiencing prolonged grief, often in association with loss of a family member as part of the um, pre- or migration experience. So this is sort of ongoing grief symptoms and um, behaviors that last for several weeks or months. Mm -hmm. The children of parents who experienced that also had lower mental health Okay. Um, so I think it's a that's a important thing to highlight, given that they mm. came here as as families um and they came here mm. with their parents and siblings and sometimes mm. other family members that um you can't just look at the children but you have to consider them sort of in the context of their family
0: yeah, yeah, so you said parents' mental health had quite a direct effect on children's mental health and then ctsd perhaps affected parenting some things are sort of affecting them in maybe a bit more indirectly through parenting styles yeah. or the i guess the ability that a parent has to to show up and parent their child perhaps in the way that they would like to if they weren't facing these challenges
1: yeah i think in many ways really it's very comparable to what the literature in general suggests about the impact of parents Mm -hmm. well-being and their experiences on children Mm. um so yeah parents with mental health difficulties their children are just a slightly higher risk of also having mental health issues or lower well-being yeah that's also in part mediated by things like changes in parenting styles Mm. particular experiences just by the nature of them, can have a bigger impact on the parent, which then will impact their family as well. So things like grief, torture, those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was interested in the results of the study that was published in BMC Medicine that indicated that boys from a refugee background some measures and quite a few they seem to have better social and emotional well-being than boys who grew up in Australia do you have any observations or um, ideas about why that might be I think that's really
1: hard to say without having tested it mm-hmm. um, but I think it's important to keep both the gender differences like you said in mind but also the age differences so it was um, a few of the particular domains like um, the pro social behaviour, the conduct problems where there were some differences between boys and girls. Um, but as to why that might be, I th- it's a bit difficult to say, I
0: think. Okay. You said that children started to be interviewed as part of the study, as part of wave three. So maybe you can't answer this, but I was wondering if we know anything about the social and emotional well being of these children over time.
1: It's a bit difficult to answer that drawing on Biennale in particular, given that they were only asked at that one point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's some other research being done in Australia with smaller um, groups of refugee children that might be able to speak to early experiences a bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what's interesting with... The Wave 3 data and sort of what's been done with that so far is that it looks like by the time these children have been here for a few years, so an average Wave 3 meant they'd been here for two to three years, most of them had adjusted relatively well, which I think indicates are comparable to
0: their Australian-born peers. Mm -hmm. And do you have any sense with the ones that aren't doing so well, perhaps don't have good uh, social and emotional wellbeing. Do you know what sorts of factors are influencing that? Does the study tell you anything about that?
1: So I think that kind of comes back to what we talked about earlier in terms of there being age and gender differences. So it looks like in b and for example, the older girls struggled a little bit more. So the 14 to 17-year-old girls had slightly higher emotional symptoms than their mm. Australian so in terms of the factors associated with the well-being overall, which mm-hmm. includes the emotional, but also other things like their peer relationships yep. and everything. It was things like age and gender that uh-huh. affected that, like mentioned the parenting style. So if there was more hostility in the parent-child relationship, that was usually associated with lower well-being mm-hmm. um, and then also school kind of mattered. So school achievement mm-hmm. and days absent from school were associated with the children's well-being. So if, if they were comparable in terms of achievement at school, then their well-being was comparable to their peers. But mm-hmm. if their school achievement was lower, then that was also associated with lower well-being. And if they were more absent from school for more days,
0: that was also associated with lower well-being. Okay. Could you talk a little bit about what might be important for practitioners to understand about these findings?
1: So I think one thing that might be a bit surprising, especially given everything that we've learned so far about migration experiences and the various things that factor into that, is that it's important to keep in mind that not everyone is going to struggle. So the BNLA data, at least in part, suggests that like good adjustment is definitely possible. And most of the children, at least, seem to be doing relatively well Mm. after a couple of years. So Mm -hmm. it sort of challenges one of those perceptions of refugees that everyone is going to really struggle and have a hard time and have high symptoms of mental health difficulties. And this, at least in part, suggests that that isn't going to apply to everyone. That's important to keep in mind in terms of I guess working with uh, refugee children and keeping some of these things in mind I think it's it's general messages like their migration experience as a whole needs to be considered and their family's migration experience so who did they migrate with what kind of path did they take Uh, what was involved with that traumatic experiences as as part of that Mm -hmm. um their family structure and support plays a big role, especially for the, the younger children because they rely on, on parents for support and very basic needs. So mm-hmm. if those things aren't in place, that's going to make it more difficult for the children to adjust as well. So kind of considering family structure and support and what might be missing in that Um, I think is important to consider. So not just looking Uh at the child, but considering them in the context of their family unit. Mm -hmm. And then the child's cultural background, I guess, is always going to play into um, how they might express some things or how comfortable they feel talking about these things. Mm. So I think keeping those things in mind if you're working with
0: refugee children is really important. Mm. And has the study looked at all at like you're talking about, so family support, support within the family. Has there been any results around that? One of the things that's come out of BNLA is that parents who
1: have um, unemployment for a prolonged period of time when they come here as refugees, that's associated with greater risk of difficulties in the children. So okay. those yeah. kinds of supports, just very basic mm. adjustment and integration of not just the child into... Probably usually school settings, but the integration of the family as a whole into the community mm-hmm. and the economic system is important for the family, but in
0: relation also the child. Yeah, okay. What about where the BNLA study might go next in looking at particularly children's wellbeing? Are you able to tell us anything about future research in that area? At this stage, I don't know. But in
1: terms of future work from BNLA... Obviously, you know the more this data can get used and uh, to answer different questions and to help inform the the knowledge base in Australia around the well-being of this group and their children is encouraged, and access to the data can be requested. Okay, um,
0: from researchers outside of the Australian Institute of Family Studies. Yeah, yeah. so the
1: data is available through the Australian. Dataverse. Mm -hmm. Um, So if people, or if researchers want to access this data, um, they can request Mm -hmm. to do that. And yeah, I guess just the research that's already been done using this data has been really informative and we're hoping that that will continue.
0: Well, we might wrap it up and leave it there. And thank you very much for your time, Sonia. Really appreciate you coming in to talk about it. Thanks. Thank you. Visit our website at www.emergingminds.com.au to access a range of resources to assist your practice. Brought to you by the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health, led by Emerging Minds and delivered in partnership with the Australian Institute of Family Studies, the Australian National University, the Parenting Research Centre and the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. The National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.